my message that I just wanna share with you and see how far we get today is this, put it in park. When I first ever got to drive an automatic car, I could not believe that driving could be that easy. All of us that have done the gears for years, learnt to drive our car in a good old gear shift. You know, in America, you actually do your driving lessons in school. So it's part of your school lesson is to learn to drive. And you actually learn to drive in an automatic. So when Steve first came to this country and uh, he got a gear shift car, oh my Lord, I have never been driven quite like that. I mean, I nearly went through the windshield. I mean, you know, we were like stopping and starting. We looked like an Australian kangaroo jumping along the road because he's like, gears are just, why? He's like, why are you English people so backwards? There is something called an automatic. And of course, back then we didn't have that many automatics on the road and we didn't have the finance for anything other than our 200 pound car that had the exhaust pipe tied on with a piece of rope. And uh, it was a common thing that I would run down the freeway to pick up the exhaust pipe and the rope, playing duck and weave between the cars. It was increased our prayer life in our early days of marriage. Some days I think Steve had it looser because he was annoyed with me, just wanted to see me running the traffic. I don't know if that theory is right, but just saying. But that was kind of not even in our kind of experience of having an automatic car. And so there was this moment when we got an automatic car and I realised, wow, it has like letters on the gear shift and you can just like put it in D and it drives. It's amazing. I was like, why have I been stressing about acceleration, pedal, balance on the hill all this time? Why did no one give me one of these sooner? And it also has a button called P for park and that's amazing too and don't need to put the handbrake on just put it in park and it's awesome and I remember when I first started driving an automatic and you know you get so relaxed in this automatic car you can forget that peace for park and you can just kind of stop and think you are parked and I remember on a few occasions suddenly getting out the car but the car was still moving because I had failed in my relaxed driving state to move from the D to the P and because I was stopped I thought I was holding at the stop and I remember several times having to jump back in with one leg in the car and find the P button to stop the car from rolling and I just wonder sometimes if in our spiritual life we have gone into D for drive and we are busy doing all the things that we find before us and around us and we are serving and we are involving and we're in our jobs and we're in our careers and I wonder whether sometimes our life actually fails to go into park fails to actually have a pause, fails to actually stop for a moment and take stock of where we're at, fails to actually wait for a moment in the presence of God before we go into the next thing. I wonder if in 2019, there has been times in the year where you have actually been moving without actually even wanting to be moving. Actually, there's been a drift in your life, which after you had learned that there is a park button in your life, you would have stopped the drift from happening. 
So I want to give you something that, that will help you in the year ahead and actually just generally will help you in life to lead a life that actually when it is in drive, it's in drive on purpose, fully engaged, knows where it's going. It has a sense of destination about it. It's not just idling in. It's not just kind of drifting in because the beauty of park is once you have parked something up, you now have to re-engage to drive it to the next thing. And before you run from 2019 into 2020 with all the same habits, all the same conversations, all the same pressures, all the same job, all the same family, before we just kind of idle into it, I want us to learn how to park. Parking is an important part of our spiritual and natural life. Parking is something you need to do to make sure that you have disengaged for a moment so you can re-engage in the right moment before you set off again in what you're about to do. And so I wanna break down this word park for you because I, what I'm not talking about is parking your life up and saying, well, I'm done. That, that's, that's not parking. You, you, don't, you don't park your car on the drive and say, well, that was fun. Never gonna use you again. No, you park it up because you know right now I've arrived where I intended. But in the morning when I get up, I'm gonna take it out of park and go where I need to go. Parking is something that allows you to recalibrate. So I'm taking the word park and I'm gonna give you a word for each one of the letters in that word park. And this is what I wanna apply to your life this year, my life this year, and actually just make it a life principle. This is a life principle for me. P in park stands for pray. A stands for affirm, R stands for remember, and K stands for know. If this year you can add to your life on a regular basis, park moments where you allow yourself to pray, where you allow yourself to affirm what you believe, where you remember God's goodness and faithfulness in your journey thus far. And when you know that you know that you know what God has called you to, no one can separate you from, what God has set before you, He has already gone ahead into. There is a park principle in all of our lives that if we apply it more often, we will find clarity more quickly in areas where drift does not allow us to get so much definition. It says in Philippians 4, 6 to 9, in the Passion Translation, and I love the way it says it because all of the park are in here. Do not be pulled in different directions. Some of you that describes 2019. Might just describe your life in general. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Here's the first one, P. Be saturated in prayer throughout, when? Each day, not once a year, not when you're in crisis, not when things are going wrong, but each day if you put your life in park and be saturated in prayer, offering your faith-filled requests, not your panic, not your doubts, your faith-filled requests, what you fill your requests with matters before God with 
overflowing gratitude. I love how it even tells us our prayers should be full of faith. Whether you see it or not, whether you feel it or not, fill them with faith and have an overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep, there's the, here's the affirming. Keep your thoughts, affirm your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real and honourable and admirable and beautiful and respectful and pure and holy and merciful and kind. I tell you, I could shut my Bible, we could all go home and that would be enough work for the year. Because how many of us honestly, hand on heart, can say that we are not pulled in different directions, that we don't worry, that we saturate every day in prayer, that we're always full of faith, that we're always full of gratitude, that we actually keep our thoughts continually fixed on authentic, real, honourable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy, merciful, and kind things. Some of us read the Bible like it's reading a novel. And what I'm trying to say to you is, if that challenges you, park your life. You don't need a word every day. Park your life on the scripture that is a challenge to you. Pray it, affirm it, learn it, remember it, know it. If you just got your heart, mind and soul around three scriptures this year, that puts you on the right pathway, get your mind lined up. If you just parked on them, kept repeating them, established them, got them down so they belong to you, it will change your life. And then it says, and fasten, this is remembering, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work God's done, praising Him always. And this is the knowing. And then because you know all that, follow the example of all that we've imparted to you and the God of peace will be with you in all things. This year, you need to learn how to park. When I took my driving lessons, parking was the worst part for me, especially that thing called parallel parking. I'd be like, who even needs to know this? Do you not know that when I actually can drive, I am not going to park my car between two cars. I'm gonna drive until I find a big space what is wrong with you? Why do I have to practice something that I'm never going to use? I'm not that stupid. Why would I squash my car between two other cars when if I just drive around the block, I'll find a very big space without stressing me out? And why is it whenever you try and parallel park, there's always a group of men, sorry men, watching you from the side rows like, let's see if she can do this. Whatever, whatever. Let's see if you can do some other stuff. Let's see if you can change a baby's nappy, burp them. And I'm not being sexist, but you know what I'm saying? Some of you are great parallel parkers. Some of you men are terrible parallel parkers. It's not a gender issue, but I just choose to find big open spaces to park my car. And yet, how many times in our spiritual life is it kind of like we need to parallel park? We're between two choices. We're between big decisions. 
We have pressure on this side and family stuff on this side. And we're like, what do I do? The best thing you can do is spiritually learn how to pull yourself in between those two situations, put your life in park, begin to pray, begin to affirm, begin to remember and begin to know what it is that God has called you to. And so this week, as you look at three aspects, I wanna help you with those three aspects and we're just gonna park a moment in both. Number one, believe. Let's just park up for a minute. Let's just park up for a minute in that word and in that concept. And I wanna ask you, what do you believe? If you were to park up your life this week as you're doing that study, I wanna ask you, what do you believe? Do you believe God is good? That was half the room. And I'd rather an honest answer than no answer. But do you believe God is good? So let's take it a little further. Because if you believe God is good, why are you fearful? If you believe God is good, why are you stressed out? If you believe God is good, Why right now are you contemplating some things that if you truly believe that, you wouldn't even consider? See, we can say we believe it, but here's our prayer for you this year, that you would actually put what you believe in park so that you can actually really, truly, 100% say, I believe what I believe. I believe He's good because I have prayed and I have sensed His goodness. I have affirmed His goodness in the Word of God. I've remembered all the times He has been good to me and I've seen all the ways He's been good to those around me. And I know that I know that I know God is good. When you park up and begin to work on what you really believe, you don't get up and go, God is good. You go, God is good. You can't change my mind about it. Doesn't matter what happens to me this year. Doesn't matter if I have a terrible circumstance come into my life. God is good. It's who He is. It's who He is. I, I, can't, I can't tell you about why this happened or why that happened, but I can tell you, God is good. He's good to me. He's always been good to me. You gotta get your believing down deep. You gotta get it all the way down to your soul. Do you believe that God is a healer? Do you believe that God is a provider? Do you believe that God is faithful? Do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that God is powerful? What do you believe? Young people, what do you believe? Not what your mum believes or your dad believes or what your youth pastor believes. What do you believe? Because when you get your belief way down deep in your life, doesn't matter what anybody else says, you can hear it, you can see it, but at the time when it comes for you to speak, you'll speak with confidence. Well, this is what I believe. And I don't really care if you don't like what I believe because what I believe is what I believe. What I believe is what I believe. You know, in Luke 8, verse 13, it talks about the ground that the seed landed on. And there's one particular ground that maybe is you this year and then maybe this becomes where you park to fix it. It says there were those that landed on the rocky ground 
And the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, just like you just did. Woohoo! Receive the word with joy when they hear it. Woohoo! He goes before me. He brings the head of my enemy. Woohoo! Sing it again, Ebs. That's awesome. Amazing. How was Sunday? It was amazing. He goes before me. It's got the head of my enemy. It's so cool. God is awesome. Tuesday, Bill arrives. Dog bites you. Person at work is a nightmare. One of your kids is acting up. It's then we find out whether what the, woohoo on Sunday is a yes, I still believe it on Tuesday. Because it says there are those who have rocky ground and they receive the word with woohoo, but they have no root. And they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, what they believe falls away. And all I wanna do is challenge you this week as you read and pray around belief. Put your life in park on those mornings or afternoons or evenings and just say, God, I'm praying about what I believe and I'm affirming with your word what I believe. And you might have to start with a couple of things. Just say, you know what? I'm gonna actually this year really work on believing that God is my provider. I'm gonna put it to the test. I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna actually work in my life to affirm that belief in my life. I'm not gonna say some of the things I normally say. I'm not gonna act in the way that I normally act. I'm gonna believe this year that there is a peace that passes understanding because I really need that peace in my life. Our belief shapes our behaving. That's why your believing is so important. What you believe is gonna be what you behave. Some of you have no problem believing that God is good, but you have a huge problem believing there's anything good about you. And then maybe this year your challenge is I need to believe that greater is He that is in me. I need to believe that I am chosen by God Almighty. I need to believe that He loves me. I need to believe that He has seen in me something I don't even see in myself. Some of you need to actually start believing in who God says you are, believing in what the Word says about your future, believing in the promise of God over your life. And the only way you're gonna do that is not by being in a meeting where someone preaches it over you, but by taking the seed, getting it down deep in the soil of your life, reading it, affirming it, praying it, seeing it until you know that you know that you know I am a child of God. Yes, I am. You can't mess with me when it comes to this stuff. I know who I belong to. I know who my Father is. I know that I am chosen. And that's why it's not an arrogant thing. It's actually a thing that God says, I need you to get this in your mind and in your soul. Because if you don't believe it, you're not gonna behave in a way that I want you as my child to behave. You are not the tail, you are the head. You are not the leftover, you are the main big deal. God's hand is on your life. I'm gonna to have to move fast, even though all of these could be unpacked. And I want you to unpack. What do you believe? Put it in park. Pray about it. And if there's a few things this year where you go, I need that belief to go down deeper in my life, then get a hold of it, pray about it, go to the Word, do Bible study on it, affirm it, remember God's Word over it, and know that you know that you know, so that this year is a year where your belief begins to shape more your behaving. Second thing you're gonna look at is belonging. 
There are many ways I could look at this. There are many ways I could tell you to look at it. But I wanna kinda just do it this way. Do you understand that you belong to God? I wanna illustrate this um, quickly. I'm gonna ask Rich to come up here. I'm gonna ask Noah to come up here. Um, Just jump up here, guys. Do you understand that everything, absolutely everything, everything belongs to God? Do you know that? It says in Psalm 89, verse 11 to 18, all the heavens and everything, not some things, and everything on earth belong to you. You are the creator of all that is seen and unseen. The four corners of the earth were put in place by you. You made the majestic mountains that are still shouting their praises to your name. Breathtaking and awesome is your power. Astounding and unbelievable is your might and strength when it goes on display. It all belongs to God, which means that you own nothing. Now let's park up on that for a moment. You own nothing. Instead, God has made you a custodian of everything you have. That changes everything, everything. So if I'm to think about my life, I don't own me. God is the owner of me. He is the one that actually I belong to. Therefore, my thoughts, my mind, my soul, my body, my physicality, it belongs to God. Now, I don't know about you, but when you, when you own something, you can do what you want with it. You own a house, you can put whatever wallpaper you want on the walls. You can paint it whatever color you want. When you own a house, you can knock a wall through, you can, you can dig stuff up in the garden, you, you can paint it like the house near us, green and fluorescent pink and still have your Christmas lights up and Christmas gnomes in February. You can do that if you want because you own the house and we can go past it going, please take them down. But no one is going to do what we say because we don't own the house. When you own it, you have a right, you have, uh, you have an authority to do some stuff. But when you understand that you don't own you, God owns you. Now you don't get to do what you want. You're supposed to do what the owner wants. If you rent a house, you can't paint it fluorescent green. If you are are renting the house, you can't do what you want because you at the end of the day are not the owner. You are just being entrusted to look after it. And so it changes everything when you understand my body belongs to God. I, if I abuse it, I'm abusing what belongs to God. I could do a whole study on this, especially on the subject of sex. But you know, if you want a scripture to help you with why you should not mess around sexually, then, then study 1 Corinthians 6, 16 to 20 in the Message Bible. It's an, an amazing, you can't get away from the clarity of God. He's so clear. When people go, well, what does the Word say? The Word says. That's why you've got to park your life up, pray about it, affirm it, and know it. And that's not a judgment on anybody's past or what you've done in the past because God forgives. But better to live in a place of understanding who you are owned by so that actually you act in accordance with actually what God intended you to have. 
says this in verse, um, one of the verses in 1 Corinthians in that passage. Didn't you realise that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. In other words, you don't own it. So when you understand that, listen to me. Some of you that are doing stuff to your body right now, shoving stuff in your veins, cutting yourself, maybe starving yourself, maybe overfeeding yourself. You need to understand your body belongs to God and He loves you and He wants you to be a good custodian of what He's given to you. And if you don't know how to do that, get help. Park your life up, get help, pray. Know God's Word over you, understand it so that you can be set free. So if I was to put me on this seat, I would say this belongs to God. That changes the whole way I treat me, speak about me. The whole way I talk about myself, who I allow to take advantage of me. Everything changes because this, this, some of you girls need to go to some of those guys. Hello, this, one piece of this. This belongs to God. So back up, buddy. This piece of fine machinery belongs to the Lord. And I'm not gonna let you ruin what belongs to God. I'm a custodian of how this is handled. Sorry, son, to be talking those subjects. This is my boy. This is my six foot one, 13 year old son, Noah Brave. And I say he's my boy and as much as I love my boy and as much as he didn't want to come up and help his mom out today. But thank you, Noah, that you did. You know what? I know I feel he's my boy, but ultimately he belongs to God. He belongs to God. And God has allowed me, how crazy is that? He's given me the privilege of being a custodian of His life for the years that we have Him in our home and around our family and seen Him through into adulthood. We get to be a caretaker of this incredible potential, which means how I treat my children changes. I don't just say what I wanna say. I go to the Word and I park up my life and say, God, I want wisdom to raise who you entrusted me with. I want wisdom to do the best I can to help him be all you say he can be. If I treat him like, oh, it's just Noah, it's just our kid. But when I think, no, he's God's son. He's God's son that lives in our home. And therefore, how I parent, the kind of wife I am to my husband, the kind of mom I am to my daughter, it all changes because this belongs to God. And how dare I treat carelessly what belongs to God? Rich is not my son. Because <laughs> I'm not that old. 
but rich represents the church. And you know what? If he's the church, the church belongs to God. So when Steve and I are saying yes to stepping up, to leading the church, don't you know that we feel hugely, hugely responsible before God? That is a burden that we have chosen to say yes to because I realize as I'm even articulating and four minutes over time, God bless us all. As I even articulating in this moment to you, do you know I've been on my knees? Do you know I've been before God? This is not my opinion. This is not my moment to do my thing. This is before God, I am responsible. We are responsible to lead you in the way God would want you to be led. That is hugely weighs on us as a couple. Hugely weighs. That's why when the Bible doesn't, doesn't avoid talking about the subject of leadership, the Bible actually tells you, church, and this is not me, it's the Bible, you better pray and you better honour and respect the leaders that have authority over you. For it says in the Word, they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account to me, God, for their work on earth, so that it will benefit you when, it will benefit you, when you make their job, their work, a pleasure and not a heavy burden. God's like, guys, the church belongs to me. So if there's a leader, they're doing what I am asking them to do. So pray for them, support them because they need to remember and be reminded and help that this belongs to God. This, this church belongs to God. So we say getting a life group, we're not like, oh, this was an idea we had because we were up eating cheese, which I am up eating cheese a lot, but it wasn't from that. It's because the Bible says to get you into community, to get you to put your roots down. Oh, I was with you till this. I'm cool that the church belongs to God. I'm cool my kids belong to God because sometimes I'd like to send them back. <laughs> cool my husband belongs to you because he's a handful. Your money. Your finances. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. God could have said, I want you to give me 90% of what you earn because I own it all and it belongs to me. But God didn't say that because God wants you to live blessed. But God said you should tithe, not because He's mean, because there's something about living with an awareness. God, I can't believe that you've blessed my life. I'm so grateful that you know what? I'm not starving. I have a roof over my head. God, I might not be the richest person in the world, but God, I want to thank you now for what I have, not look at what I don't have. God, this all belongs to you. And God goes, I know it does. I just need this. Just, just 10% to put into the house of God because it belongs to me. To keep you attached to a principle 
that stops you falling into greed. So that every week when you put your offering in, when you do that thing of being generous, you're reminding your soul, if it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't have anything. And God's trying to teach you. He's trying to teach you. It belongs, it belongs to me and I've let you be a custodian of it. I've let you actually be a custodian of the wealth that you have, of the home that you have, of the possessions you have. And all I ask is that in it, you'll remember this belongs to God. So God, what am I doing to use it to bring glory to you? Maybe you'll think twice before you go and gamble it away or use it in something that you know is not good for your soul. Maybe you'll think, God, this year financially, I wanna park up. I wanna pray about what belongs to you. And then not because of guilt, but because I'm gonna affirm it with the Word. I'm gonna get a better understanding of what belongs to you. I'm gonna remember how you've been so good to me. And then I'm gonna know what I should do financially in the year ahead. Spark up. Changes the whole way you hear the offering. You don't feel anyone's trying to get anything from you because you realise it's not about what someone says, it's about what God has ordained. Maybe you're like, well, I don't know much about finances and God. Go find resources, ask the team. There's teaching you can get. Park up until you know. Hey, as we finish our time together, We want to just take a moment to let you know how much God loves you. Jesus gave His life for you. Whatever you need today starts when you have Jesus in your heart. And if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, why don't you do that now? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and if you declare Him that Jesus is Lord, that you shall be saved. It's just that simple. So we pray that you ask Jesus in your heart. If you want prayer for anything, Drop us a note, and in your own words and in your own way now, ask Jesus again.